T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. It's time for Inside the Clubhouse, a show dedicated to the Chicago baseball fan, featuring the best Chicago baseball conversation, as well as the big MLB topics, along with the biggest names, greatest guests, and listener interaction, starring score baseball insider Bruce Levine and half of Chicago's number one sports morning show, David Haw, on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, a radio.com sports station. Presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Good Saturday morning, Chicago. Welcome back inside the clubhouse right here at 670 The Score and on your Odyssey app. Broadcasting live from the Hyundai Score Studios. Talking baseball until 11 o'clock this morning, as we do every Saturday morning. Along with Score baseball expert Bruce Levine, I am David Haw. And we don't want you to spill your coffee. But we actually will start today's show with a couple positives from Friday from the dramatic flair of Wilson Contreras at Wrigley Field to the dominance of Dylan C's down in Texas. Good morning, Bruce. Boy, pick a lane because both are we're going we're going 80 in the express lane. This is this is odd to wake up this morning and have something good to discuss. Well, you're right about that, David, but uh, first and foremost, a baseball expert, uh, if you go on Twitter, I think you'll get a, a large percentage of people who will disagree with you on that, especially after my comment about uh, Jose uh, Quintana and how uh, he's not going to really help the Chicago White Sox last week. Uh, you were nice Bruce, enough to point that out on Mully and Hall. I might be one of those Friday. on any given day. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> That's the beauty of Twitter and the beauty of people's opinions, which we yes. uh, value here at uh, at Inside the Clubhouse at 312-644-6767. Open lines for you all day long from 9 to 11. And, David, you're right. Uh, two to one victories for both teams, which was uh, – Something that we, we haven't seen much of both teams winning. We've seen a lot of both teams losing Friday night into Saturday, or Friday day into Saturday as the Cubs played yesterday against the Marlins and the White Sox played against the Rangers in Texas yesterday. But really good pitching performances uh, from the teams and uh, a ray of hope even for the Cub fans who are hopelessly out of it after uh, – Wilson Contreras hits the big bomb coming back for the first time after not being traded. Never saw uh, an ovation like I saw yesterday for a player who was not traded uh, at Wrigley Field, but that's what we saw yesterday when Contreras took his first at bat and certainly when he hit that home run. It was like, hello again, old friend, and 35,689 people wrapped their arms around Wilson Contreras and gave him a big hug, especially after that two-run home run that gave the Cubs 
all they needed in a two-to-one victory over the Marlins. We got a big show. We're going to talk to Craig Breslow, the vice president in charge of pitching for the Chicago Cubs, and they have identified pitching as the foundation for the, to build their next great Cub team on. And so at 10 o'clock, this is like a pitching clinic this morning, Bruce. I think people could get credits toward their pitching degree. Steve Stone at 10 o'clock is going to give us his expertise from down in Texas. He was calling the White Sox game and Dylan Cease's masterpiece last night. And then along the way, again, your contributions, 312-644-6767. Let's start where you are right now. Let's start at Wrigley Field yesterday, Bruce, because I do think that in terms of drama, that's hard to top. You have Wilson Contreras coming back, and you don't know for how long. And you don't know uh, if it's going to be two more months or, or three more years. I think that we, we can read the clues, but there still seems to be this mystery surrounding Wilson Contreras and his future. But he's not worried about that, clearly, because he's focused on the present and hitting that two-run home run yesterday underscores how capable he is of blocking out the distractions and just playing baseball. And this is where you, our valued listener, comes in because you can help us figure out what the disconnect is between the Chicago Cubs and Wilson Contreras because for the life of me, I do this every day. And David, you're a part of the sports scene every day, 365 days of the year. We and uh, David and I discuss this, you know, for for months, but now, especially with the trading deadline going and, uh, and Wilson Contreras still not traded, what is the disconnect between the Chicago Cubs and Wilson Contreras? What do they not like about Wilson Contreras? What, uh, what is Contreras asking that they balked against? Uh, with all our reporting and all our uh, ways of going about this, I, David, I've failed. I have failed to get anybody to respond to me about why they don't want Wilson Contreras on a long-term contract. I have failed to get Wilson Contreras to be able to tell me, and I've talked to him probably 40 or 50 times since the beginning of spring training, what exactly they've told him as to why they're not giving him the contract that he wants. Uh, I, I call it poor reporting on my part, and I need your help at 312-644-6767 because uh, the only thing I can get and the only thing I've gotten, David, out of this is that they don't particularly think he is the defensive catcher of the future for the Chicago Cubs. Nobody's going to argue with the offense that Wilson Contreras puts up as a catcher. It's as good as any catcher out there right now. So from that perspective, let's eliminate the offensive side. Let's eliminate what he brings as a uh, personality and a guy with um, his energy. Let's just look at what defensively and what metrically do they not like about Wilson Contreras that prevents them from getting something done with him and him done with them. Well, I don't think you failed, Bruce, because if you failed, everybody else has as well. I mean, there, there continues to be this mystery surrounding the question that you asked and the answer that you've been able to find. But nobody who has covered the team, nobody has been around the team, has come up with any sort of clarity either. It, 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 so we're left to, you know, speculate. And, and I think that you, are, you can make informed guesses. And I think that when you do that, you, you're left to believe that the Cubs, who are building their future around pitching, value a more 
defensively sound catcher behind the plate, one who may call games better, one who may frame pitches uh, more consistently than Wilson Contreras is able to do. You could make that argument based on what they haven't done in the way of a contract extension talks. I also think this, Bruce, <clears throat> there is, a, there is a, a reality that as much as we respect what he does, maybe we overvalue him and maybe that's part of the problem too because the rest of the league just told the Cubs what they think of the way they value Wilson Contreras. They were asking for too much. There's irony there. They don't, tr they don't value him enough to offer him a contract extension, but when they tried to trade him, they were placing too high of a value on his worth. So that, to me, is, it adds to the confusion and yeah. mystery. So yeah, I mean, I, uh, yeah, David, great point. I, I think... You know, and I, I don't mean to cut you off, so finish, finish your thought process there. Go ahead. No, I, I think that just it, it underscores why we continue to ask this question because my takeaway from watching him over the last six years as a Chicago Cub is if I am the president of an organization and I see what he offers in the way of you know, in emotional investment, production on the field, work in the community, uh, connecting with the fan base. I don't know that there's anybody that epitomizes what I'm looking for in the prototypical Chicago Cub more than what Wilson Contreras has shown. Maybe we need a Mike Piazza uh, analogy. If you're going to be uh, average to below average, and again, he's above average in throwing, he's improved dramatically at blocking pitches, which he was not good at the beginning of the year. His setup is more quiet, not, not beginning of the year, beginning of his career. His setup is much more quiet and uh, efficient for pitchers to uh, be able to attack uh, when, when they're uh, get going into their motion now. Uh, he's a tremendously improved catcher from what he was when he came up in two, six, 2016 and uh, homered on the first pitch he ever saw and helped them go to the World Series. Tremendously better. However... Um, with, with that in mind, the Mike Piazza analogy from my part is you have to really outslug your deficiencies in defense for an organization or manager or coaching staff to the point of hitting 30 to 40 home runs and driving him in 100 to be able to be put back there on a daily basis. Okay? Maybe that's it. And, and the other part of it. And again, we're, see, we're seeing a lot of phone responses here, which is good. We'll, we'll get to your, your phone calls soon um, at 312-644-6767. Maybe the other, the other part of it, uh, David, is, is that uh, when, you, when you look at, at Wilson, uh, you know, is he too volatile for this coaching staff? Is he too volatile for the manager? Is he too volatile for the front office? Uh, other teams said, okay, we're not offering this much, but were they doing it not because they didn't like Wilson Contreras or that pitching now and catching is so precise and so metrically oriented that they don't want to change any of their catching for a successful team at this point with only two months to go in the, in the season? I think it's a really good question, Bruce, and I think that's at the crux of the matter perhaps. Okay, Sox fans, here's a question for you. And, Bruce, I'd like you to address this before we get out to the phone lines because people are starting to call. 
Let's, let's look at Dylan Cease. That's the other big performance from Friday night. Dylan Cease became the first pitcher in Major League history to go 13 straight starts and allow one earned run or fewer. That's, that's historical. That is dominance. And in Chicago, we appreciate what he is doing. And I wonder, Bruce, we just saw not that, far, not that long ago. I mean, it was seven years, but Jake Arrieta went on a similar run of dominance in that he was making history along the way and he was the best pitcher in baseball now i still think that dylan cease is going to finish second to justin verlander in the cy young award but it is cy young worthy and i wonder in your mind bruce the baseball expert that you are and the chicago baseball historian that you Not are Not according to how, twitter david well how does dylan cease's run compare to jake arietta's run i think it's a great question and uh, we're open to hearing from you about that as well uh, look, David, uh, it's, I thought I saw the most dominant pitching last year come in the first two and a half, three months of the season from a White Sox pitcher, not named Lance Lynn, but named Carlos Rodon. I thought he was that type of pitcher for the White Sox, capable of throwing a no-hitter every time he went out there last year. And I think that Cease is that same pitcher right now. We don't, we're still not seeing the length that you want because of uh, the fact that he still walks a few guys along the way and, and pitches are fouled off. So his pitch count usually eliminates him from throwing, you know, eight innings or nine innings. But uh, from pure dominance of not being able to hit them and to miss hit the ball, uh, he is as good as anybody not named. Uh, a Verlander out there right now. He is just the, the, the creme, creme de la creme, as my good friend uh, Chet used to say, of, <laughs> of pitchers out there uh, in the market. Love all the reactions. Keep them coming. 312 644 David, what if Jed Hoyer just as bad at his job? He traded you Darvish in a year they were contending. 312, the Mike Piazza days are over. 217, Cubs management is like the friend who, while you're at lunch with them, continually checks the room for someone more fun than you. <laughs> Great text. <laughs> Keep them coming. We'll go out to the phone lines, Bruce, and the score listener line is powered by BetQL. Bet smarter, beat the books. Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. That's where we find our buddy Paul in Valpo. Good morning, Paul. How are you? Good morning, guys. Uh, yeah, I mean, Bruce, you had the question of, you know, what are you missing on Contreras and you're there every day. I mean, I, I think, I think you, right, you hit it right on the head as far as, the defensive end, and you guys have Craig Breslow coming on. How much money and or how much in, you know uh, resources, player resources, the team has invested into pitching and pitching infrastructure from the new general manager coming from the Indian or the Guardians organization to Breslow to Hadavi, all the things they're doing to to build up this pitching infrastructure. I don't think they trust him to be like you said, not be too emotional, to be able to handle. Call games. I understand framing may not be as big a deal, you know, in the next couple of years here. But like you said, is he too emotional? He has a, he is more quiet. But I think if you look at his his defensive metrics, they were they got a lot better last year. But I think the games he's caught this year, especially comparative to Jan Gomes, he's not very good at doing the things that he wasn't good at. You know, he he briefly got better at him, and he's kind of regressed. So yeah. yes, he is a good bat. And I think, but I think to answer your question. I think the general managers in baseball answered your question. There wasn't as high a market as everybody on the score and all the talking heads and all the fans that, that love him because he plays hard and he cries in the dugout and he gives Ian Happ a big hug. And Ian Happ's another story, too. I think 
I think this has really affected him mentally, and you're starting to see him kind of regress. Kind of, and it could, could be a bad two months where he ain't happy, unfortunately. But with Contreras, I think he, he, like David said, he has all those attributes that fans love. But if you're building your whole organization around pitching, which you guys have said they should have, you can't have him as your catcher. Thanks, Paul. That's a valid point, Bruce. And I wonder if you look at the metrics, as you point out, and you see that Wilson Contreras is 29th in pitch framing, and you look at some of the other reactions around the league, you, you start to see things and clues that maybe answer the question that is very difficult to address. But as, as, a, as another texter says and asks the question, and I don't necessarily agree with this premise, but 773, don't you think it's something as simple as the pitchers would rather throw to the other catchers? Well, I mean, look, we've seen that. that that's a fair analysis. Uh, you know, we, we, we've seen that throughout baseball history. Greg Maddox would uh, always pick somebody not named Javier Lopez, who was an all-star catcher every year for the Atlanta Braves. He's probably an all-star five or six times. But, but Maddox preferred to throw to somebody else. He didn't like the setup. He didn't like the way he was back there. And uh, you didn't argue with Greg Maddox. So... From, from that perspective, that's all that's all a good possibility. And Paul might have been throwing his voice, David. Maybe, maybe that was actually Jed Hoyer uh, talking to us there because uh, he made some solid points. Uh, well, you know, obviously, uh, the emotion is great for the fans. It's great for the media. We love to see passion from players. Uh, but maybe maybe it's not the, the emotion that they want from their starting catcher for the Chicago Cubs. Dare I say that Paul and Jed Hoyer have one thing in common this week, Bruce? It doesn't sound like, based on the reporting and the stories that I read, that either guy has probably had a meaningful, in-depth, one-on-one conversation with Wilson Contreras. Yeah, I mean, uh, Hoyer has admitted it, you know, that uh, he still hasn't talked to either one. Uh, You know, from his perspective, what does he have to really say? Okay, David, I mean, did he say he was going to trade him? No. Did he trade him? No. Are they still Chicago Cubs? Yes. Was the perspective uh, from us in the media and the fan base that he was going to be traded and because he hasn't, he didn't sign a long-term contract? Yes. Uh, is that I like valid? communication, Bruce. Bruce, I like communication. I think that you want to always Why are you know doing a show with me then? Where you stand, <laughs> where things are going, where were you were, what you ground you covered, what ground you're going to cover. I think that there's almost an obligation after – the emotional toll that these both of these guys took that you sit them down, you have a beer, you have a latte, whatever it is you want to have, you have it with them and you talk and you talk it out. Right. Okay. Well, all right, let's go to Jack. It sounds like, it sounds like a great baseball movie, David, but uh, I, it does. I don't know. Okay. About right. You want me to write the opening scene to this, the, the Wilson Contreras yeah, story? It's, <laughs> it's kind of the same stuff where a lot of people think that all the, all the players go out together every night, uh, 26 strong and, have dinner, you know, raise a raise a, a, a mug and say, hey, we're going to go out and beat him tomorrow. Bruce, I could make the argument that they sign Wilson Contreras to a long-term contract and they go out and they, they, they form the next great Cub team and they win another World Series, his, his life will be worth a movie, okay? That would be right. definitely something. So- sounds good, David. You'll be the screenwriter. <laughs> Let's go to Jack and Hillside. He's got a Sox thought. Good morning, Jack. Welcome inside the clubhouse. Uh, good morning, gentlemen. Uh, thanks for being there. So uh, I seem to remember this uh, Wilson Contreras discussion at the beginning of the season. I know I was the Sox fan who thought he'd be a great fit on the south side, but that uh, ship has sh- sailed. And I had the same questions that you have, uh, 
that David, you put so well as to why he's not staying, the questions we can't answer. What I'm getting from, again, through all the reporting of all sources, is that one way or another, people don't want him handling a pitching staff or don't think he's capable of learning it in the middle of the season. So from my perspective, this question is going to be unanswered until sometime down the road. And, and I look at it as this way. Is he likely to become well, – are, are these either of these extremes possible? Contreras goes on to become uh, Brian Downing, if you remember him. He's not sure. going to catch anymore. He's, he's just going to be a great hitter, maybe playing left field or whatever. Or maybe he goes somehow as a free agent to St. Louis, and uh, they find him to be a really good catcher. He figures it out. They help him figure it out, and he's the next Yadier Molina, and he comes back to haunt the Cubs for 10 years. You know, either of those things or something in between remains to be seen, and maybe then we'll know, can he be a defensive catcher? And the Sox, quickly, you know, even on a best-case scenario, which I've been patient on uh, more so than most folks, that there's still time, but even on a best-case scenario where Eloy and Luis and uh, Juan Moncada Grandal all start hitting, and hit, which they may do and really carry this team a lot, and even if we see these starters, Cease and Lynn and, uh, and the great Johnny Cueto and anybody else as starters, great stuff for a playoff run, and our bullpen suddenly with the kind of nice addition of Deekman and maybe – you know, we have healthy Joe Kellys, and it's like that could all go well. But even that wouldn't be enough unless Tim Anderson is the special player he needs to be because right now I see no sign of that, and he looks again to me to be like kind of a mediocre shortstop who's not doing anything special on offense. And one last thing, what Steve Stone said on your show, it's a, uh, the Central Division come down to a three-team race, maybe decided by the GMs last week, well, you'd have to say Minnesota won that race as much as I like Rick Hahn. It was a, perhaps a bit disappointing unless the players he's betting on, in fact, respond. Thank you, fellas. Thanks, Jack. A lot there, Bruce. Let's crystallize it into one question for you. What's wrong with Tim Anderson? Well, you know, are there personal issues that are going on with Tim Anderson in his life? Um, I, I'm not smart enough or don't have enough knowledge to tell you for a fact that would be uh, contributing to uh, what's going on with Tim. Is, does there seem to be, uh, look, he could fall out of bed and get two hits a day, all right? But there, does, does there seem to be a different energy level from Tim Anderson right now uh, than there was before? <sighs> you know, I'm because of the injury, I'm not willing to say that, but... It, it doesn't appear to be exactly the same guy as last year. What are your thoughts, David? My thoughts are when Rick Hahn talked about the White Sox needing to regain the swagger. I know what he was saying about the, the, the group collectively, but there's no player on this team whose swagger has been missing more than Tim Anderson's. And when he has that swagger, the White Sox are hitting. The White Sox are winning. The White Sox are doing the right things in the field and on the bases. You don't swagger if you're making mistakes consistently, and you certainly don't have a strut if you're striking out five times in a row. So there is something going on with Tim Anderson that we're not privy to, but in terms of just on the field, he is not the same player, and for the White Sox to get where they want to go, he's got to be. I agree totally with Jack. Good observation. And, Bruce, we're going to talk pitching. 
the beginning of our course on pitching 101 or 201 or whatever level you want to say this is this show is at this morning Craig Breslow the vice president in charge of pitching for the Chicago Cubs joins us next inside the clubhouse Chicago Sports Radio 670 the score we're back with more inside the clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Welcome back inside the clubhouse David Haw Bruce Levine here until 11 o'clock, Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score and we're getting ready to talk to Craig Breslow, the vice president in charge of pitching for the Chicago Cubs, Bruce, and the Cubs have stockpiled young pitching prospects and I think when you look at the way that they structured their draft what they have done at the major league level and what they're trying to do at the trade deadline or what they did accomplish but they didn't get as many pitching prospects but they did get a few it's it's very transparent there and yesterday what you saw was was more of the same development emphasis when when you get a pitching performance like the what they got it's it's very encouraging for the young pitchers in the system and for the emphasis uh, and the goal sort of you know you take a step in the right direction again well you know going back to our discussion on Contreras uh, didn't Steele and Thompson come through the mix last year and get their you know their training initially as rookies uh, with uh, him behind the plate most of the time wasn't he the, the catcher there weren't we talking about last year with Contreras that the Cubs had eight backup catchers last year, and none of them were sufficient. Every time he was out of the game, the team looked lost and out of sync because there was no one taking control. So from that perspective, you know, uh, pitching we know is dominant, but, you know, maybe we haven't given Contreras enough credit, you know, for being the leader that he was, for, for just being there and someone that's there for those pitchers. But getting back to the subject matter, sure, uh, you know, pitching is certainly something that, Hoyer has uh, looked at and has gone after, as you brought up, you know, going, stepping out of the organization, bringing in other people, uh, you know, certainly like Hawkins, who has the great pitching uh, resume and the, the idea that, uh, you know, Craig Breslow had already started all of this out with the Chicago Cubs and the, the way that uh, they've gone about their pitching lab and, and bringing their pitchers along. And you saw that yesterday with Justin Steele striking out 10 Marlins in four and two-thirds innings, and he has been very good in his last 10 starts. Just uh, Keegan Thompson, same uh, sample size, same consistency. You're starting to see these guys get it. It's encouraging for Cub fans and certainly for Cubs uh, executives like our next guest. We welcome in Craig Breslow, the Cubs vice president in charge of pitching, and Craig joins us on the guest hotline, sponsored by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Good morning, Craig. How are you? Good morning. Thanks for joining us this morning. I just wanted Bruce and I were talking about the uh, emphasis on pitching development and how in, in rebuilding this, this Cubs team into the next great Cub team, as Jed Hoyer has alluded to, it, I don't know if this is something that happens in every organization, Craig, but it seems like just with the Cubs, the emphasis is obvious. 16 of 20 players you drafted were pitchers. You look at Steele and Thompson and the emphasis on them in the rotation this year is obvious. And the trades at the deadline, this is a uh, – you're diving in. You're going to need to ex- uh, have an extension to the pitching lab with all the new young pitchers you're going to be throwing in there. <laughs> yeah, I've already put it in my order for an addition. Um, 
But oh, I think a ton has been made and, and rightfully made of uh, you know some struggles that we've had when it's come to you know other like homegrown pitching development, um, and, and this is something that we're, we're looking to course correct with. Uh, you know, in that we've devoted a ton of resources, a ton of people. Um, you know, kind of in, in the name of uh, developing pitching, I um, think we are now in a position where we can look around and recognize that we're doing things as well or better than other organizations, and we're starting to see uh, the benefits at the big league level. Uh, Craig, when you, you look at the, uh, the trading deadline and uh, bringing in some more pitchers in uh, the deals that they made for some veterans, uh, we, we hear an awful lot about uh, – uh, guys like Wisniewski and Brown and uh, certainly Gonzalez. What what are your initial plans when you bring in a guy like Wisniewski and uh, the fact that he's already, a, you know, a double-A pitcher that's pitching well, that's 24 years old. How do you and the rest of the organization uh, get to him, look at him, uh, analyze him, and then break down how you can help him even further what he's done in his career. Sure. So I think the the first thing that we're recognize is this is very much a. Hey, uh, Craig. Uh, Craig, we're gonna. We're, I'm gonna interrupt you right now. We're gonna try to reestablish your line. Uh, so if if you could uh, get with our producer here and call back, and then we'll uh, we'll get we'll get you uh, on a better line because we want to hear everything you have to say. It's so valuable. So. Uh, Thanks. And David and I, David, let's uh, yeah, let's reconnect talk a with Craig about... Breslow, the Cubs vice president in charge of pitching, Bruce, and here in, uh, inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. We've got Steve Stone coming up at 10 o'clock, talking Cubs, talking White Sox, and in this context, talking about the Cubs' emphasis on young pitchers in their system. We saw yesterday Justin Steele have a tremendous uh, outing. Did you think Bruce he's going to stay in and they're going to let him finish the, the fifth? Uh, and he four and two thirds. It you know, looked like he wanted seem, to stay. Those days seem behind us now. I, I think there's the the realization that okay, it's a tie game, and we get you through the fifth. It's still zero zero. You're not going to win the game, right? Unless we score in the bottom of the inning. But he's already he's already at 100 pitches, right? So uh, it's time time to go, right? The, the development part of pitching is so much more. And we can talk about this, uh, Craig. And, and thanks for thanks for bearing with us and getting us back on the line. David and I were talking about the development of pitcher is so much more uh, essential these days, and uh, protecting that that pitch count. That you know the the idea of getting guys through five innings to get them a win seems to be passe in baseball right now. Your thoughts? Yeah, well, I think um, there's certainly quite a bit more uh, creativity in terms of how you piece together a game, how you construct a roster. Uh, and sure, some of that, you know, is, is driven by, um, you know, constraints that teams are dealing with. But I also just think we have a much better understanding for uh, pitch profiles and characteristics and the types of pitches that will be successful against certain types of hitters, uh, you know, kind of in the aggregate. And also for how long they might be successful. Certainly, you know, we've we've heard about, you know, effects for times through the order and uh, certain pockets of, of hitters or swing profiles that may match up against pitchers. Um, you know, and I think it once you kind of uh, remove the constraints of trying to get, you know, uh, 200 innings out of your starter or trying to have your starter pitch into the seventh or eighth inning or collect a win, 
And you can just kind of approach this working backwards from the what we're trying to do is limit the number of runs that are scored against our team. Then you can approach this with just a greater level, level of creativity and kind of optimized matchups throughout the game. Joined by Craig Breslow, the assistant general manager and vice president in charge of pitching for the Chicago Cubs here on Inside the Clubhouse. Craig, we were having a conversation, a broader one, about Wilson Contreras and, and just the value that is placed on defensive catchers and metrics in today's game. And I just wondered if you could just, generally speaking, when you're looking at building a organization around the strengths of its young pitchers and the prospects developing into major league starters and relievers that you can trust, how do you balance the, you know, the prototypical offensive catcher, maybe the way it used to be with uh, the defensive metrics today that are weighed a little bit heavier, as so it seems, from the outside? Is that an ongoing conversation? Do you think things have changed dramatically in the game? Yeah, you know, I think I think it's absolutely kind of fluid, um, you know, and, and I, I think intuitively there are, you know, scouts who have identified that, you know, a catcher um, tends to, to pair better with a certain pitcher um, or tends to, you know, sure. um, you know work to steal strikes or, or be able to kind of manage a staff of this guy through um, a game. Um, you know, I think what we're now capable of doing based on some of our advanced algorithms and models is understand exactly what that effect is. Um, you know, and so as we talk about a spectrum or a trade-off between, you know, the kind of offensive and defensive prototypes, we can better understand where the, the most desirable landing spot exists. Um, you know, and then I think I, I kind of piggyback that idea with the fact that, uh, you know, pitching development and game planning has kind of shifted in the direction given uh, the emergence of dominant stuff from pitching staffs to, you know, kind of working through pitcher strengths. So, one of the most important things that I think any catcher can do is really know the strengths of his pitching staff and be able to kind of rely on those, um, you know, and kind of embrace those rather than being, uh, you know, maybe potentially as heavily focused on uh, the opponent, the opponent's strategy, um, you know, to the extent that we once saw. Craig Breslow, the Chicago Cubs uh, vice president of uh, pitching coordinator, as well as assistant GM joining us and in inside the clubhouse. And, Craig, for, for us who are deficient in the knowledge of a pitching lab, we've talked to you before on this, but just give us a, a one-on-one on how you would bring in a, a young pitcher. Let's say like your number one pick last year, uh, Jordan Wicks, and already an accomplished college pitcher, but going to the you know the big leagues for the first time and now progressing up to double A. Uh, he talked to, to me and other reporters about uh, – how they, they changed his grip on certain pitches uh, to get more spin and to be able to command it better. Uh, what, what else and, and what, what is highlighted in your uh, being able to work with these young pitchers and having the, uh, the metrics and the technology to help them more than, say, when you were pitching uh, and pitching successfully in the big leagues? Sure. So I think, uh, you know, I think this question kind of dovetails into the, the question that you had asked before. Uh, my connection was, was so poor on, you know, just in terms of guys that we had, had trade for or, or acquire uh, through, through different means, either the draft or otherwise, you know, and how we approach their, 
development, um, you know, and I think I was I was starting to outline this idea that this is very much a collaborative kind of cross departmental initiative where, you know, we've got tons of background on a player, we've got tons of data, uh, and you know, for the most part, we have a pretty good idea of what development opportunities may exist, be they uh, you know kind of drastic in magnitude or or quite simple, um, you know, and there are certain guys that you acquire because you think that they are close to being big league ready they're you know near optimized they just need some additional experience uh, uh, and, and maybe opportunities that didn't exist in their their previous environment and then there are others that you think you know you can materially improve based on uh, changing uh, a pitch profile adding a pitch to a repertoire and so you know I think there's this combination of understanding uh, where a player is when they arrive at the organization um, you know, and, and we do that through a, a pretty comprehensive assessment that, you know, kind of starts in the training room and moves to the strength, you know, moves into the weight room and then, uh, you know, kind of ultimately ends in the pitch lab and we'll collect as much information about a pitcher as we can. Um, but what we don't have a great sense until we actually get the player in our system and have a chance to talk to them is some of the, you know, kind of more subjective nuance, uh, what a guy has tried before, what a guy may, uh, you know, feel strongly about in terms of intention or pre- preserving certain pitches or why a guy throws a certain pitch, um, you know. But once we kind of work we through that and as we're working through it, uh, you, you know, I think we have had success in tweaking pitch profiles and adding depths to breaking balls or carries to fastball. And uh, I think this success kind of feeds on itself in that we've got some credibility. We're establishing relationships and trust with our, with our pitchers. Um, you know, and I think uh, one thing that is a credit to kind of the broader organizational efforts is we've got a pretty good idea when we take a suggestion or recommendation to a pitcher just how likely it is um, that it's going to work. And so, you know, if we think about the magnitude of any initiative as kind of the probability that it works times the impact or the the magnitude of the improvement, um, we're pretty good at identifying both of those ahead of time so that when we come to a player, we can do so with, you know, with transparency. Uh, And then just, you know, kind of finishing up this thought on, you know, what the lab looks like and, and how we approach this, you know, you know, I think much has been made of the emergence of technology and ability to, to collect data in ways that we hadn't before. Um, but, you know, a, a lab uh, is only going to be as successful as the pitcher who walks into it and, and the support staff around them. Um, and so I think, you know, much of our effort has been directed towards making sure that we're creating a cohesive unit. Uh, you know, it's impossible for me to handicap you know, what we think we know relative to other organizations, but I think we're, we've been pretty effective in creating alignment and continuity across the organization in terms of what we think is important, what we think is important, explaining to our pitchers and our staff why we think it's important, and then kind of getting behind it directionally. Craig, before we let you go, I've got to ask you this. Scott Efros was one of those young pitchers that I think represented everything that you had poured into the resources and, and he, he was the best of what you could offer in terms of developing a pitcher and boy was he pretty good this year and the his story was even better and and what a great young man he was able to be used in a trade he gets in the Yankees deal Hayden Wesneski in return I think that's one of those trades as much as you like every one of them and you like to you know look at the pros and cons of every deal this is the one that you could look back at potentially from our perspective and say okay they knew what they were doing. How would you describe the ceiling for Hayden Wesneski and that deal specifically? What excited you about it? 
Yeah, well, I mean, you know, here's here's a guy coming from a from a place that has had uh, some some recent success in developing pitching. Uh, he's a guy that you know kind of falls into that that bucket of player that we believe. Uh, you know, kind of has the tools, has the repertoire to be a successful major league starter and, you know, kind of just needs a little bit more opportunity, maybe a little bit more runway. Um, and so we're super excited, obviously, about him coming over and, you know, to all of the points that you brought up. You know, I, I do think that, you know, we should look at this as kind of, you know, even to this, just to this point, a success story of pitching development, just given, uh, you know, what Scott was able to do, um, how successful he, you know, had, had made himself. And the fact that, you know, we think this was something that, that could potentially work out on, on both sides. Um, you know, I think the chance to uh, potentially turn a reliever into, you know, a, a bona fide, uh, you know, starting pitcher um, is, is something that, that, you know, at this point for us made quite a bit of sense. Um, you know, and we are hopeful that some of the momentum that we've built and some of the steps forward that we've demonstrated uh, from a development perspective will enable us to continue to make major league pitchers from within. And if we can do that and create, you know, a pretty steady pipeline of talent, then we can supplement our major league team as needed. Craig, uh, we, we need to do an hour with you. Would you would you co- would you consider doing that down the line when you have it? I know you, your time is limited, but uh uh, you, your information, we, we can't get this in in a 15-minute segment. So, uh, David and I appreciate you taking the time out. It's always a fun and a great education for us and the listeners. Thanks for taking some time out on a Saturday morning for us. Oh, absolutely. My pleasure. And, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll get that hour scheduled at some point here. Thank you, guys. That'd be, that'd be great. Thanks, Craig. Appreciate the time and, and, and the information and insight. Craig Breslow, Vice President, Assistant General Manager, in charge of pitching for the Chicago Cubs and Bruce, there are a lot of young pitchers the Cubs are excited about. And when you talk about the next great Cub teams, there's no doubt, no ambiguity about the way they plan to build. And it's on the strength and power of these pitching prospects. All right, when we come back, yeah, there, those are two losing teams at Wrigley Field on Friday at Clark and Addison. Yeah, those are two teams that combined for 111 I'm sorry, 121 losses, and yet 36,000 people showed up to watch. What, why were you there? What were you looking for? What brought you out to Wrigley Field? That was something to see. We'll talk about that next inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. Once again, the last time that I played here was a kind of saying goodbye, but I'm blessed that, I, that I'm here. Uh, I trust God, and I know he has a better plan for me. And for me to stay here, to be here right now, it's just amazing. Taking it all in with this fan base is just amazing. And finding a way to help the team to win is, is all what I want. We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. Presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Amazing is the right word, Wilson Contreras. Thank you very much. David Hall, Bruce Levine inside the clubhouse. Boy, Bruce, 35,689 showed up to see the Cubs improve to 21 games under 500, and the Marlins dropped to 48 and 58. Never disappoints. It's amazing how this Cub team, regardless, regardless of what's going on on the field, continues to be a draw. Hey, Chicago, what do you say, David? Uh, I mean, look. Uh, but that struck you yesterday as something I, I that was significant. I think it has a lot to do with with the uh, with our broadcast with Pat and Ron, and 
and Shambi and JD on television. I, maybe it has a lot to do with that, but, you know, uh, and seriously, it's great to hear from both, and, and they do keep your attention so well and inform you so well. But, you know, it, it's Wrigley Field. It's the summertime. And, uh, you know, the fact that, uh, you know, this, this particular ownership, this particular part of this front office did indeed bring you a world championship, did they not? And uh, if you were ever going to trust anybody to bring you another championship in the history of the Cubs since 1908, the last time they won one, right. it would have to be these people, wouldn't it? I mean, okay. They're, they're, well, they're, let, let, uh, me, let me add a dose of cynicism to your rose-colored glasses viewpoint there. I think that yesterday's crowd almost represents and is connected to what's going on here this week. Jed Hoyer has sounded like somebody who's going to be very patient. And when he talked about, we'll get into Jed's comments later, talked about building the next great Cub team in terms of he didn't sound like he was in a huge hurry. He's going to do this right methodically. And you know what? He can. You know why? You can get 36,000 people on a Friday afternoon to watch two bad baseball teams you know, play a two-to-one game. That's why. Yeah, I mean, it's a fair point, David. But there, there is, there is a cachet, you know, with with people that have done something before. Okay, you you okay. couldn't say that in the entire history of the Cubs, right? So True. I I don't I don't know if they get enough credit for that because there's been a lot of pushback, and in some cases, rightfully so, uh, about what how they're approaching it now. Look, I did a story talking to T- Tom Ricketts two years ago, and he said we are insufficient in our minor league system this is going to stop we are going to build around uh, a good foundation of young players coming in here and he didn't he, he stopped short of saying we're not going to spend money because they did spend 71 million dollars on Stroman. they did spend the money on suzuki so it's not like they're totally not spending money but they're not spending money like the big market that they are, okay, or how much they could spend, okay, we know that. But Tom was, was very, very direct about the fact in this story that they're going to build an infrastructure of the minor leagues and do it that way. They did it a different way, not totally, because those draft picks that they brought in from 2012 through 2015 were instrumental parts of uh, that team winning a World Series. But it was the pitching infrastructure that won the World Series. And the pitching in- infrastructure going forward, David, is going to come from the minor league system initially. Value your reporting, Bruce, as always. I would like to hear that from Tom Ricketts himself. I would like for him to end his silence for however long it has been and to hear from the chairman. But that is another topic for another segment. Speaking of cachet... Our next guest has loads of it. He joins us, Steve Stone, when we come back inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. 
Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.